When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might be. Welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast, episode 55, sponsored by Fansbet. Yes, that's right. We have uh, gone and got ourselves a little sponsor. Um, (laughs) Link in the description below. If you like a little bit, uh, go and check the link below in the description. Um, And every time you bet, you support us. I'm not asking anyone to go out and start betting. All I'm asking you is if you do bet uh, and you do use online betting, that you might come over to FansBet and um, support us. If you want to support us in another way, you can click the Patreon link and support us that way. So there you are. Um, Both apps can be downloaded for iOS or Android. Um, Go and have a little look, see what you think. Um, Joining us this evening, well, again, keep saying it. It's the Fab Four again, but we can't see Graham, unfortunately. Um, He's having trouble with his camera. So, Lee! How are you, sir? I'm oh, all, all good, thank you very much, Craig. It's nice that we've got a little sponsor as well. Very happy about that. Um, it shows that we're doing things right. And, uh, yeah, had a very, very good week. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the week ahead. Uh, a little bit of golf tomorrow. First time <laughs> going in a round of golf for a long while. Uh, been invited to a golf course, so I'm going to give it a go. And then, of course, Thursday, we've got some team I've never heard of. but um, FC... Volt, Volt, uh, F, Harry, FC, Vorskla, Vorskla, I, I don't know. Mm. Looking forward to them, we are. Oh, oh, of look, course. Look. <laughs> Do you know this is this is the you know this is the competition to be in. This is the elite European competition um, to be in. You know, playing teams like FC, Vorskla is the pinnacle of uh, you know of anyone's. Supporting, you know, supporting Arsenal. We want to be playing teams called FC Law Florska. Where are they from? We've got Sporting Lisbon in the group, though. Where are they I from? Can say yeah, that. They're from the Ukraine. The Ukraine, Ukraine. Ukraine. Oh, Sporting Lisbon. I thought they were from Portugal. No, they're from Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> and as you can hear, we've Graham there. Graham, how are you, sir? I'm very good, Craig. Apart from the. Uh, camera connection so i'm really sorry this that's week right. i'll try and get it sorted out for next week mate i wouldn't worry about it mate as long as we can hear you that's all that's all that matters to be honest because to be honest we're getting more we're getting more hits on itunes than we are on youtube so at the moment it doesn't really matter if you can if we can see if we can see anyone <laughs> or not um because i audio. think i think yeah i think i had a lot of positive feedback from uh people that i know who really do enjoy the podcast i think it's a really good team uh, a lot of positive things being said to me last week about lee and harry not so much about me mate more about the other two guys you get used to not being mentioned um, <laughs> don't worry about it try like i said i don't know if you've ever tried walking around with lee on an arsenal game christ almighty um <laughs> so episode 55 we've beaten newcastle 2-1 away from home our second win away from home. That's uh, two more wins than 
I mean, a certain other manager got us uh, in, a, in, a, in a year. Uh, we've shot up to, where are we now? Sixth, I think, is it? Behind Tottenham in Seventh, seventh I think. Is it? That low? I think so. Is that after the results yesterday? Yeah. Ah, oh, well, I mean, that's why. Watford should have really, so. I didn't really take much notice um, on yesterday's results. I think we're level on points with the, the unwashed down the road now. Uh, yeah. Normal service is uh, resuming. Lee, what would you make of the game? You were there, mate, up in the gods. Could you see the pitch? Could you see the players? Well, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been to Newcastle. It's not the greatest view in the world. It's just a bit bit funny. It's a bit very deceptive as well, like, you know. But um, I have to say, um, first half was, was, wasn't very good. But I'm going to say this. But um, um, what I would say is when we come back at half-time, people will turn around and say, it ain't been very, very good. But as I pointed out, being positive as I was, you know, there are times last season that that's what we wanted. You know what I mean? Going in at half-time, nil-nil. Uh, a bit of a game plan. And I thought there was a bit of a game plan on on um, on uh, Saturday. I watched it again when I got in yesterday. And um, I felt with the team that uh, first half, we was a little bit slow with the ball, slow position, but we kept possession. And I think it was, you know, tied them out a little bit. I don't know. But then in the second half, we just moved it the, uh, up, up the pace, moved the ball about a little bit quicker. I thought second half, was apart from the goal right at the end, was a perfect away performance. We played really well, nullified the crowd very, very early on with that first half display. Um, I thought uh, Socrates really impressed me in the last couple of games, and that was a big, big positive. And uh, in the second half, I thought that we could have opened them up and beat them um, by a few more. And when you look at it from a positive point of view, Craig, um, they've played... Tottenham, Chelsea and us in their three uh, home games this season. And it's been really, really tight. Not very many chances created. We created a lot more chances than those two teams. And also against uh, Manchester City when they went away to Man City. They found, Manchester City found it very, very difficult. And at times, we was breaking through on them quite comfortably. You know, um, even... And I have to say... Um, with you, I am Marie. The substitutions on the day were spot on. You know, I, I, I think uh, tough to, to leave out Kadozi at half time, but I think it was the right decision. The one then to take Aaron Ramsey off, who had just played three games in a week, and bring on um, uh, Mkhitaryan, I thought was a good move as well. And then also to bring on Danny Welbeck, you know, last 15 minutes with his pace and power. And, I, I, you know, we was looking to counter attack. The only disappointment was the goal right at the end, but the game was all. But we won the game by then. You know, we see it out very, very well. And I have to say that it's Craig. I keep saying I've said it for years. It was my biggest bugbear. I know we've won the game, but all the players at the end of the game coming over and you know pump fisting and things like that. It's, it's, it really does make you feel proud to be an Arsenal fan at the moment, travelling away from home. And um, someone said, oh, we'll see what it's like when they lose. But listen, they weren't doing that when we won, you know. So, uh, you know, so from every point of view, the atmosphere in the, the away supporters was fantastic yesterday. It was back, if I'll be honest, to it was a couple of years ago right. before all the, the Arsenal Wenger sort of uh, snowballed, like, you know. It was a good, there's no uh, animosity between the fans at the moment. It seems, you know, everybody, you know, you've got a long, long walk down the stairs, everybody's singing all the way down the stairs, going out into the, um, to the, away from the ground, it was, everybody was singing. It just seems a fantastic atmosphere, uh, 
much, much better, more collective. And <laughs> listen, you know, uh, bless you, my child. Bless so, you. Um, <laughs> To, uh, to to get the three points away from home, and I also say this: I don't I don't know how you guys feel about it, but certainly I did. That when Spurs had lost earlier, it just takes a little bit of pressure off you as a fan. So you just think, well, like you know, we've, yeah. we've got a free year here now. If whether they look, yeah. I know you shouldn't think that, but I felt going into the game a little bit less pressure was taken off the result. Boys performed well. Harry, what do you make of it? Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Lee said there. I thought that the first half, and I've said it before, I thought we lacked a bit of fluidity. Um, I thought that we seemed void of ideas, and, and that's something that we've seen a few times now, particularly in the first half of games under Unai Emery. But the second half, you know, we came out, I'm so glad that the goals came from Xhaka and Ozil because they are two players that desperately needed them. You know, they've both had criticism from the fans. They've both sort of been the the kind of players that people point at when things don't go well. So I was really happy to see them both score, particularly Granite Xhaka. And I just thought the substitutions were spot on. Um, you know, Emery brought uh, Torreira on and I think Torreira and Xhaka complement each other brilliantly. That's for me, that should be our midfield combo. Um, a lot of people were shocked to see that Torreira was left out from the start. I think, I don't know for certain, of course, because I'm not in the dressing room, but I'd imagine the fact that Torreira picked up an injury playing for Uruguay um, the last weekend would have had some influence on his decision. But the, the good thing about Emery is he's not scared to change it. And if things aren't going as he wants at half time, he will make that change. And, and that's like a breath of fresh air. You know, it means nobody's place in the team is safe. Everybody's got to perform because if you don't, you're coming off. It's not like the Wenger days. Things have changed. So I'm really happy with the result. I, of course, I was disappointed that we conceded so late on. I was thinking, you know, let's get this clean sheet. But we're level on points with Spurs, which is which is good. And end of the day, it's, it's three wins on the bounce and, and can't really have too many complaints. Absolutely not, Graham. Three wins on the spin now, uh, Graham. Um, Graham, I'll come to you because I'm going to ask you this question. Are we boring you there, Lee? Are we? You're all right, mate? No, no, it's just I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of really late nights. You know, a couple of beers. Um, <laughs> I can tell you a story about that. Jesus. Graham, it comes to you because you've, you, you kind of mentioned it while we were, while we were, you know, while we weren't recording, but Aubameyang on the wing, mate. This can't continue, in my opinion. Graham, um, it's not working. He, he doesn't look right. He doesn't look right out there. He doesn't look right to me. Um, What's going to have to happen there, Graham? Well, I mean, first of all, I think that um, I think we are a four-two-three-one team, Greg. Uh, sorry, sorry, I said it again. I don't think we are a four-two-three-one team, Greg. Greg, uh, I think we are more a four-four-two or a three-five-two. Um, and obviously, four-four-two um, or three-five-two, you want Aubameyang and Lacazette to be playing closer together. Um, if you look at the stats in that game, uh, we're in danger of turning one of the elite world forwards into a very average wide player he had one touch in the box in that game and only 13 final third touches and he only had two shots at goal so that's an immediate concern um i've said to you previously after the cardiff game i think i'm a great one for getting our goal scorers on the pitch uh, and abamiang and lacazette have to play together the question is how you play them um and if you look at the pitch map, Aubameyang is often out wide in that uh, first half. Uh, the first half where only 18% of our first half passes were in the final third. Uh, uh, and that's why, in effect, we struggled in the first half to play with any intensity. Uh, 
second half, it went up to 33%, um, with 40 in and around the box. And I think, really, to be effective, Aubameyang has to come closer to Lacazette. I've talked about in the past about Lacazette being the central focal point. But uh, I think Aubameyang needs to come more central. Uh, the problem why I think that is being hindered at the moment is we've got a positional problem with Ozil and Ramsey. Ozil and Ramsey both want to come central and it's clogging up the centre of the pitch. So Aubameyang is floating out wide. Um, I think in answer to the question, uh, I think we have to make a decision here. Who do we play, Ozil and, or Ramsey? And if we play one of those, that will get Aubameyang and Lacazette closer together. Um, I don't think Aubameyang can play out wide. Um, he has got express pace, but he's not great at running past people. He's great at running in behind and beating people with pace. And I think, as I, as you alluded to that in your comment, um, we are in danger of not getting the best out of him. And to play to his strengths, he either plays through the middle on his own. I'd rather play Lacazette and Aubameyang, but I think Lacazette and Aubameyang have to play closer together. And to do that, I would make that decision to move Ozil back to number 10. And I think if we're going to play Ramsey, he's going to have to make a choice. Is he going to play Ramsey in a midfield uh, three or is he going to uh, leave Ramsey out? I don't see how... The problem I've got with Ozil and Ramsey is they both are great on the ball but both want to play in the same space of the pitch. And I think because of that, I think um, we're struggling to get the, the Lacazette and Aubameyang partnership working. I would prefer to see one of those sacrificed uh, for the team shape to get Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette closer together. As I say, I don't think we're a 4 2 3 one team anymore. We haven't got dribblers or wide players with any pace. I think we're more a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2 team. That suits the players we have. And to do that, I, I would go with a midfield diamond four. I've said it before. I've said it all, on all the Arsenal fan TV interviews this season. Or away from home, play with 5-5, uh, a 3-5-2. Um, but... In answer to your question, I think Aubameyang, you are right. He was out wide, isolated a lot, and he only had one touch, touch in the box. When you've got a, an elite world forward only having one touch in the box and only two shots at goal in a game like that, that's worrying. Very. That's why I said it. Uh, Harry? Quick one. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because there's a couple of, uh, Graham, great points. There's a couple of things I just want to raise. I feel that maybe Unai Emery's idea is not, the four two three one. I think that what Unai Emery is trying to do, and I might be completely way off the mark here, but I think that when we've got possession, he's looking at more of a four two two two. So you've got Torreira, Xhaka, then Ramsey, Ozil, and then Aubameyang, Lacazette, and it's very similar to what Watford do. I don't know if you've seen anything of Watford this season, where when they haven't got the ball, they tuck back into like a four two three one, but when they have. Dini gets up with Gray and they make a 2-2-2 two, 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 and they, they try and play like that. The problem with that is we become very narrow. But I think that may be what Emery is looking at and why he thinks that Aubameyang can start from that left-hand side. Another thing, I completely agree with you where you say Aubameyang's strength is running in behind. The problem is when you play for a team like Arsenal is nine times out of ten you come up against a low block and teams sit on the edge of their penalty area and then there's nowhere to run in behind. So... For me, the reason Lacazette deserves to be the focal point more, more so is because he can play with his back to goal. He can give you that link-up play that I think maybe is the only thing missing from a Bamiyang's game. So, I don't know. I could be completely off the mark. I just think that Emery thinks that 
by doing what he's doing, Aubameyang can get closer to Lacazette and then you end up with like a 4-2-2-2. And it is a formation that is being used more and more now, especially on the continent, particularly in Spain. And Watford's manager is Spanish as well and, and it's something that he likes. So maybe it's something that, that they've got in mind that perhaps is new to us. I don't like it. 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. No, I don't like that. Lee, what... <clears throat> Well, I, I, I think that, you know, all good points. The, the one thing that Arsenal are lacking is a real wide player. And, yes. and, and that, that's the problem at the moment. It's, it's as simple as that is you've got Ozil playing out there to a certain degree. And as Graham quite rightly says, he don't really want to come out there. But the one, the one good thing I see, and so when you're so high up, if you just sit there and analyse it for a little bit, you can see it. The interchanging is, is very, very good. There were times when Ramsey was finding himself out there. Actually, Ramsey found himself wide on the left on a few occasions as well when, when Aubameyang comes in there. And I think what, it, what the system at the minute gives Ramsey a licence to go wherever he wants. Um, and what happens then is that, as, as, as quite rightly, as soon as, as soon as we lose the ball, as, as, um, as Harry alluded to there, we all drop into certain positions so that they can't, um, that they can't break on us quickly. In, in, in saying that, I think that's probably the theory, but in saying that they do break on us quickly, you know what I mean? So we've not got quite that right at this moment in time. But I do feel that we do, do lack a, 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 a wide player. Um, and it's a good point Graham makes with, 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 um, with a banging there. There are times when he gets, gets on one on one. He hasn't got that little bit of a, of a jink or someone like a Saha that can get away. If we had somebody like him in the team, I'm not saying him, but someone of that ilk, we would, we would, Rip, rip teams apart, Craig. We would rip teams apart, you know. And I, I just feel that that's the one little thing that's lacking in there. And it could be that the fact that it comes down to do you play Ramsey or, or Ozil in that position? And maybe then it becomes a, a straight fight between Ramsey and, and Shaka or, or Torello for that other position and you go like as a two in midfield. I think if we could get a wide player, particularly at home when teams really defend deep against us, we we could get away with playing Ramsey as in 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 the two. Uh, and but we've we've you know our width is a minute is coming from Bellerin and um, and uh, Monreal and it's putting a lot of pressure defensively on the two central defenders and also you know uh, a lot of work. I I, I noticed that on. Um, on Saturday, that the work rate of uh, Monreal and, and Bellerin is unbelievable because they're they're being asked to make 50, 60 yard runs and then get back and then do it again. And Monreal's in his thirties now to be asked to be doing that week in week out without another left back for a, at least another five, six weeks is very, very worrying. How we're going to manage that? If I'll be honest, I know it's changing the subject a little bit, but you know, um, I do feel that we've got a problem. The problem that Uriah Emery's got I've said it all along is. Where do you play Ozil? And, and I, I felt on on um, Saturday, particularly in the first half, non-existent because you're asking him to do things that he's not good at, and that's chasing back, tracking back, getting into position. But in the second half, when Torello come on, he was there to have that little bit more of a license, and I thought we played very, very well second half. And it ain't no coincidence that we create a lot more chances when he's in the team because he's got a very, very good touch. There was a bit in the game. When he controlled the ball in the box, turned around, and we, we should have had it. We should have scored from it. His awareness and his um, ability to pick out the pass is second to none. It is second to none, but he doesn't do it enough. So we've, that is the problem that we've got. Um, and the problem 
isn't going to be, boys, against the likes of Newcastle and teams like that. The problem's going to come when it comes up against Liverpool in five or six weeks' time, those sort of games, what we've got to do and how we're going to go about it. But for me, I don't think there's a problem of being a little bit more defensive like it was in the first half if we get the result. And um, as I say, you know, we got the result. I will say this about Aaron Ramsey. I didn't think he had a very good game on Saturday. I think he was, he, he was, he was poor. But his work rate, again, was fantastic. There was one point in the game when, and this is the difference between Mesut Ozil and, say, Aaron Ramsey from, from one point of view. Mesut Ozil got tackled. It looked a foul, but instead of getting up and, and chasing back, he was waving his arms. Oh, it was a foul. It was a foul. Aaron Ramsey had the same thing, lost the ball, he got up like a little terrier. Within 20 seconds, he'd got the ball back. And that, that's, that's the difference of the two players. You know, I think that um, Ramsey gives you the work rate a little bit more, but Ozil just gives you that little bit more creativity. And it is, it is I think, a dilemma for the manager. You know, In a way, and I'm not being horrible like when I say this, that the manager's probably sitting in there, and he, I know that he don't think this, but sometimes the manager thinks, I hope one of them gets injured or something, so it, it will make my decision a little bit easier, because I feel at the minute he's trying to cater for both those players, and I don't think, as I think with Graham said there, it may not be the way to go. Well, I think Emery's problem at the moment in? is that, you know, it's been five games. I don't even think Emery knows his best eleven yet. Um, no. I still think he's you no. know doing a lot of... Um, What's the word? Experimenting. Graham, do you... Can I just add something? Can I just add something, first of all, to what Lee said uh, about Lucas Torreira? Very good points that Lee Lee made about uh, Lucas Torreira because uh, I think already we've seen that when he comes on, he seems to make the team tick. I think that is the most important thing. He doesn't seem to do anything dramatic, uh, but he speeds up our play and he seems to make every player look better on the pitch in their in their uh, positions. And that really, he also adds protection to to, uh, to uh, uh, Bellerin, uh, which frees up Ozil to sort of like come more central. I think in the first half, Ozil was sort of like obviously concentrating on his defensive duties uh, and probably less free. But when Torreira comes on, he sort of like uh, sort of, made Ozil look a better player, as well as Jacker. Uh, Harry made a good point that he, he made Jacker look better, and he did make Jacker look better. And Jacker went from being sort of ponderous, slow in possession to sort of like very fluent, forward thinking in his possession. But he also freed up Meza Ozil in the second half, because it's no fun. We, Lee makes a great point about the fullbacks. Is the work that they're doing is tremendous, and Bellerin t- kept, cops a lot of stick. But it can't be easy being a fullback when you've got Meza Ozil on that side with you. So the important thing is Torreira coming in, sitting where he does, sort of uh, speeding up the play with his passing and his positional sense, frees up Meza Ozil. And I think one of the things I took out Saturday is that Torreira has to start. He makes our team tick. He makes Jacker look better, but he also makes every other player in the team look better. And I think also he's good for Meza Ozil. It frees up Ozil. And also he, he offers a better service quickly into the forwards. We saw how he released Lacazette for the goal uh, at Cardiff. He adds that extra thing to the team and he sort of makes the team tick. I think him next to Jacka would be a good thing moving forward. I think Gwendozi, um in the first half, sort of like it didn't seem to be working with him and Jacka. I noticed him and Jacka had a few words where Gwendozi's positioning seemed to be uh, not correct. I think uh, 
in central midfield, Guenzosi sometimes not offering the, uh, the the passing lines to move the ball through the team. He's getting the positions where if he he needs to be closer to to Jacker so they can build the play up through the middle. I think a bit like the centre halves have to be close together when the opposition are attacking. I think the two central midfielders got it close together. I understand Guenzosi wanting to move out wide when we're out of possession, but in possession he should be close to Jacker. And I think our passing lines were not right in the first half because of his positioning. I think the moment Torreira came on he, he he understands positioning so well he makes a team tick and i think him next to jack in central midfield uh was, was was one of the reasons we got more fluent in the second half there's more intensity in our play it freed up ozil and we were a better team offensively as a result Greg. absolutely um hard, hard to disagree with anything you said there mate but uh like I was saying, is is Emery's is one of Emery's problems, Harry, that he doesn't know his he, he doesn't know his best eleven yet. Well, he's been five games. Well, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, new manager comes in. It's been five games. You know, he's got a he's got a, um, a lot of players to choose from. Um, is he still experimenting? Yeah, I think so. I think very much so. It is you know he'll still be learning about his squad, and he'll be learning about this squad. For the whole season, that's that's just what it is. You know, when you come in, you take over a, a club like Arsenal. There's so many different factors you need to take into consideration. Of course, you need. It's not just about making the right decisions tactically. You need to keep players happy. You need to build relationships with your players. You need to have all of that stuff as well. So, yeah, he's. In my opinion, he's definitely experimenting. Um, I just think. There's there's more to Emery's methods than we probably notice. I would yeah. say, I th- I think it's not inconceivable to think that Emery wants to play one formation when we've got the ball and one when we don't. There's I just think it's a lot more complex than than maybe we're sort of seeing. Um, and so you know I, I'm willing to give him time. Look, at the end of the day, someone asked me last week, do I think we've made progress under Unai Emery? And if you asked me last week, results-wise, I probably would have said that we would have got the, those exact results under Wenger. So, you know, I'm not looking at him saying, wow, this is amazing at this moment in time. But I understand that it, this is a transitional period. It's going to take time and he can't really be judged this early in the season. God, no. Lee, he can't be judged. I mean, Lee, how, how long before we judge him? Is it, is it, is it the old uh, judge him in May scenario? Well, no, I think you've got, judge. Judge. Come on judge. I think you've got to judge him game by game. Um, and, and the first couple of games, I weren't impressed because we were still making the same mistakes. Listen, I know it was only Newcastle on, on, on Saturday, but I see a lot more positives from Saturday's performance mm-hmm. than, than I did against Cardiff. Now, if you ask me with who's going to um, be in, you know, um, uh, who's going to be at the... Um, higher out of Cardiff and Newcastle, I'd probably say Newcastle. Also, you know, a little bit of criticism coming about the about the Cardiff game because they hadn't, considered, they hadn't scored a goal. They've gone to Chelsea and scored. They went 1-0 up against Chelsea. So, you know, I think that I definitely see something different in Arsenal on um, on Saturday. I, I see something different with the, with the fans. Everything was a little bit different. And um, I, I just feel that Slightly, you know. Look, listen. I come away from there last season fuming at Arsenal. You know what I mean? Um, they'd lost two one. All that travelling that we'd done up there. Two players come up and thank you. Um, yesterday, I see a different Arsenal, and I have to say, like you, you compare the two games. I think that game, if I'm not right, was at the end of April. 
we're so near towards the end of the season. This is at the beginning of the season, and I've I've seen a lot more things. What was very very interesting, Craig, is well afterwards in the bars, we were talking to a few um, Newcastle fans, and they were saying, "Oh, you look very very, you know, do you know when you sort of we're a little bit." critical or we're looking at different things from a from a neutral point of view they said oh bloody hell he blew us away really really good side that's you the best team that we've we've seen up here this season you know and i said what better than chelsea's well they said oh yeah more fluent you know broke us down you know yeah. and that, that was very interesting like you know so um so from that point of view i think that we have to say that it was um it is positive, but you know, one thing I'm looking forward to now is these these European games because we're all saying, "Oh, we don't know his better team." So it, the team now, so this it, it means that the likes of Welbeck, Awobi, Torella are all going to get an opportunity now to to perform in in this competition. I, I, you know, and and I want to see that. And uh, you know, um, uh, the new right back. Um, is going to come into it. I don't want to say his name and be mocked, but you know what I mean. So, uh, we, so we're going to see a different team over these next couple of weeks. And for me, that's what we what we need now, you know. And what what I want to see from the next couple of weeks is that they come in this game on on Thursday, and the players that are not playing until the Sunday think, Jesus, if I don't pull my finger out and play well Sunday, I'm going to be out of this team. Do you know, like going back, I know I don't like going on about Spurs, but Harry Kane was in playing in the Europa League and he was forcing the issue every week. And, and I, we've got to do that. These boys have got to come in on Thursday now and say, right, I want to be at this club. And the one good thing about this at the moment, and we're talking about this on the way home, is that under Wenger, and this is not a criticism of Wenger, but I'm just saying that, you know, the guys knew that, oh, I'm not going to play Saturday. Well, that was I'm always my Saturday. problem. Yeah. Always but, my but, problem. So it, does, it doesn't really matter what we do on Thursday. If I can score that trick, I'm not, I'm not going to get... I believe that if you come in and do really well, that the manager might say, do you know what? I'm going to throw you in. And I think that can be only a real refreshing thing for us as fans and as the players as well. Because if you know you're going to be given a chance and an opportunity, and you know that if you play really well, you're going to force a manager who's not afraid to make those decisions. I think that this could be a real beneficial three or four week period for Arsenal. I really do like, you know, we've got some games. We're talking about it on the way, way home yesterday. We've got winnable games. I'm not saying every game's winnable because, you know, you look at last night, yesterday, I thought Everton was a certainty to beat West Ham. It, it didn't happen. So you can't take games for granted, but they're games that, you know, Everton's going to be tough. But after that, we've got Watford's going to be tough. After that, we've got Fulham, Crystal Palace. And then, um, I think that's, the, the next game after that's Liverpool. So we've got some really opportunity to put some confidence into the, into the players, some points on the board, and really get the feel-good factor back at Arsenal. Because I think at the moment, it, it, it's, it's wanting to be there. Every fan wants to go to the games and is reluctant to criticise, reluctant to have a go at the moment. Like you know, They all want everything to, to go well. So I think it's a very, very important period now for Arsenal. Also, it's a very, very important period, boys, because the likes of Tottenham, um, Manchester United, Manchester City uh, and uh, Liverpool will all be concentrating on that Champions League where they can't rest the players that the likes of us and Chelsea can. And I think this is a chance now for us to get some real points on the ball and try and get ourselves in with a chance of getting that top four. Just before we move on um, to the questions... I want to give a big shout out to uh, a young lad by the name of Jayan, um, who, if anyone doesn't know, is Mems's son. Um, wow, brilliant. I've got brilliant. a brilliant video from Mems today of uh, Jayan having a game of football. Now, 
if you don't know, obviously not a lot of people know, but Jayan was Jayan was uh, born disabled. Um, was told he'd never walk, um, and here we are watching the video of him scoring goals um, at a football training camp. So well done, mate. Uh, like I said earlier, like I said to your dad, sending lots of love. We love you. Well done. Yeah, uh, and we're proud of you. Yeah, absolutely proud. proud, proud of you. We yeah. can't wait to meet you. Hopefully, when I come to London one day, um, I can't wait to meet you. It'll be an absolute honour to meet you. Um, so yeah, well done, mate. Um, and Mem's well done for putting that video up, mate. That actually touched me. It really did. Um, next message uh, is from Charlie. Charlie, uh, Charlie Shanks, artist. Um, he sent me a message. He has got three A4 size prints of David O'Leary for sale um, that he's drawn. But the good thing is they are all signed by the man himself. Um, so if you're interested uh, in one of them, he's only got three left. Um, so if anyone's interested in any of those pictures, uh, please knock him up uh, uh, at Shanks Artist. That's at S-H-A-N-K-S Artist, A-R-T-I-S-T. If anyone's interested, um, like I said, hit him up. Now, sorry now, I've lost all... Oh, here we go. I've got back to my questions. Uh, Graham, let's start with you. This comes in from Andy Blank. Uh, thank you very much for the question, mate, and thanks for thanks for listening. Graham, what should be the starting eleven on Thursday? Also, what formation should Emre utilise with our rope with our rope tier league squad to maximise our talents? I think there might be a typo there, but what formation, Graham, and what kind of team should he put out Thursday? Well, um, first of all, I saw a tweet from Lee today that uh, he would give a Bamiang the game uh, oh, to actually too. get some yeah. confidence. Because uh, obviously, we talked about a Bamiang sort of like uh, not only having one touch in the box and only two shots at goal, uh, and obviously only one goal in his first five games. So that's a fair shout from Lee to actually maybe sort of like consider a Bamiang uh, for this game. Uh, I'm not so sure whether Emery will play him. Uh, I think he'll go pretty much with a. I think he'll take. Uh, very much the formation that he's been playing uh, into the Europa League. I think we'll see the likes of Leno in goal. I think we'll see Liegsteiner at right back. Um, I think Mavropanos will come in next to Holding. I think um, up front, uh, I mean, Danny Welbeck's got to be in the running. Uh, Eddie Nikita might be banging on the door. Uh, he could play a Wobi out wide left. Um, and obviously El Nene is going to come into thoughts. And obviously some of the younger players like Castle Rowe are going to be considered. Um, whether he decides that he needs a bit more experience in there, I don't know. Um, I don't think he's going to change the formation pretty much uh, away from what he believes the team should be playing. Um, I think so. I think he'll play a very similar formation to what he's been playing in his games, whether it be four-two-three-one or four-two-two-two. Uh, but I think it'll be a similar sort of formation. Um, we talked off air before the uh, pod that um, one of the reasons why there might be a lack of uh, fluency. Uh, in the team is I think what Emery likes in the first half I think he likes a more controlled uh, first half than uh, Wenger Wenger tended to sort of like be on the front foot from the off in the style of play uh, whereas Emery I think likes his players to be better positionally so I think that there's they don't express themselves so much in, in the first half of games and I think that comes in the second half but in answer to the question um, danced around it as I always do um, I think he'll give a chance to the lesser players. I think um, it should be enough to beat the Ukrainian side. 
I yeah. don't know too much about them, but they've got a very poor away record. Uh, I think they've lost three of the last four away games. So I think uh, I'd be interested to see Leno because obviously he suits the style of play and everyone will be judging how he plays out from the back. Mabra Panos, I think, has to come in next to Holding. Lick Steiner will be champion at the bit to get a start. And then they'll be the experience in central midfield. And I think a Welbeck and a Wobey will certainly play. Uh, and maybe a youngster like Castle Rowe will get the opportunity. But um, whether he wants to play one or two senior players just to sort of like beef it up a bit, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think the formation, uh, you know, I, I love a, with this group of players, I, as I say, I don't think we're a 4 2 3 1 team because we haven't got pace out wide, as we've said on the pod. Uh, but I don't think, I think Emery will play a very similar system to what he's playing. And he'll, he's obviously. They've got a style of play he wants to implement. And I think that these players, you've got to remember, not only the senior players, but the other players have all been practicing this pre-season and playing this in, the, in the, the training session. So they'll be in tune to what he wants. And I think they'll play that style of play in a very similar formation. I'd love to see uh, Nikita get a start. Um, and again, I'd like to see the uh, young Greek lad. I'm not even going to try and pronounce Mav. his name. Uh, Mav, 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 yeah, Mav. I'd like to see him as well. Um, and I can't wait for Unai Emery to troll everyone and start a better checking goal. <laughs> 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 uh, Harry, this one, Look. this one's right up your street. Should we be, should fans take their critiques back, um, of Socrates, considering we were told he was so slow and not up to it? And I actually have what? to agree, he had a bloody good game, um, yeah, he against did. Newcastle. He did. He did have a good game, and and I've been one of those people that said he looked slow as well, and and I'm quite disappointed in myself because I've watched him a lot, especially at international level. So I, I don't know, you know, there's some players that are deceivingly quick. I think Robert Perez was one of those players that he used to run a little funny, and you used to think he ain't really got any pace, but once he got going, he, he reached quite a decent speed. I think people need to be. People jump to too many conclusions regarding certain players and they don't take into account the factors around it. Like Bellerin is one that gets it all the time, you know. But as Graham said, or I can't remember if it was Graham or Lee, one of you said that it ain't easy playing with Mesut Ozil in front of you, which is true. You need to take that into account. If you're being asked to bomb 50, 60 yards up the pitch, then you're going to be exposed sometimes. So I think our fans need to be... Look, they pay their money there. Of course, they're entitled to have an opinion, as we all are. I just think that sometimes you need to sit back for a minute and just look just at the wait. circumstances. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait. Sit, wait look at, at least, the circumstances. Yeah. Exactly. And we're turning like, you know, I don't want to say this, but I've got some mates that are Spurs fans. And they're the kind of people, you know, that will be losing 1-0. And they'll text me when we're losing 1-0. And then we'll come back and win. Yeah. It's like it's just like jumping the gun. And I just get irritated when I see our supporters doing that. Particularly when... Oh, I'm good at doing that. You... Go for it. I'm good, no, I'm good at doing that. I'm good at jumping the gun. If anyone follows me on Twitter, God. You need a Valium after reading my tweets during a game. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just think people need to... At times, you know, some of it's justified, but at times, you just need to take a step back, calm down after the game, put your emotions to one side and look at a game for what it actually is. Yeah, and, and, and that's it. This one comes in from Guna Dubley. Um... At Jonathan, in a jo- oh, I've done it again. Jonathan E, R4. I think he had a guy at me last week for for uh, getting his name wrong. So I think I've got it wrong again. Sorry. <laughs> um, he says... Expect a call. Yeah. 
Does it bother anyone else that every when Ramsey does it bother anyone else when Ramsey smiles after every piss poor pass or miss? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's probably just he, he knows, doesn't he? Like, yeah, I mean, um, to be honest, I, I don't think that's a bad. Some some people do that. Um, you know, it's a tongue in cheek sort of thing, and it. You know, he knows what he's done wrong or whatever. Um, as I say, you know. Um, I will forgive Aaron Ramsey for a lot of his uh, misdemeanours, if you like, mispass and all that, because of his work rate does redeem it. So, um, and I've just got a feeling that he's going to come really good in the next couple of games, getting in those positions again. Um, and if you have a look at the second goal, the build-up play for it, he's very instrumental in that with a few little passes around the corner and then they open up the side. And I thought that second goal was absolute class, by the way. You know, and I know that everybody says about Mesut Ozil scoring, but the build-up play to that, was really, really good. And um, so, listen, somebody said the other day that um, Newcastle would be guaranteed being relegated if Rafa Benitez wasn't in charge, you know. And the thing is with Benitez, he's a well-organised manager, well-organised. And um, we, we we picked him and picked him, picked him and opened him up on a few occasions. Aaron Ramsey was part of that. But um, no, it don't bother me. Uh, as long as we're winning, it don't bother me. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you're right, mate. He did. I thought he had. On the whole, I thought he had a poor game at the weekend. But then, you know, he does. He does those little things that you, you know, you just quite rightly mentioned, um, which led to a goal. So, although I want to see more from him, what? Yeah, every Arsenal fan wants to see that Aaron Ramsey. Uh, what was it three, four years ago when we were all trolling Real Madrid, saying that you've you've brought the wrong Welshman. Um, you know that's the, you know, the season he scored the winner in the cup final. I think he scored. What did he get? Seventeen, eighteen no, goals from midfield. Goals, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, we, you know, we were all saying that. You know, like, like I just said, that, uh, Real Madrid signed the wrong Welshman. But we all know there's a player in there. He did disappoint me at the weekend, but it's five games in. Under, I'm going to keep going back to it. I can't keep going back to it soon. There's going to be have to be a time when I can't use the excuse, but. New tactics, new manager, new coaches. I still, I, I agree with you, mate. I, I hope. And also, you're not going to play well every week. Good. You're not going to play well every week. But what you can do is work hard every week, and yes. that's 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 the thing that he does do. Absolutely. Okay. We'll start with you on this one, Graham. But we're going to go to everyone. Uh, this one comes in from Elaine Sharp. Thank you very much, Elaine, uh, for your question. Do we think the imminent departure? of Gazidis and the rumours of Josh Kroenke taking over are something we should seriously worry about. Graham. Oh, thanks for that one, Elaine. Um, I, I think, I was, first of all, uh, on Kroenke, I, mean, I, think, I think that um, if uh, Josh Kroenke obviously has been in London a lot over the last year um, and uh, seems to have more affinity with the club than than his father in terms of sort of wanting to be here at least. Um, but it's still the Cronky name, and I don't. And, and I think that um, I I am worried about you know at the end of the day his dad's still pulling the strings, isn't he? And and his dad sort of like um, is going to be sort of having if he has sole ownership of the club and he's not he's able to sort of like uh, manipulate situations where. He can take money out of the club without us knowing. He's not. He's not going to be obviously accountable at these sort of meetings where he has to show accounts and budgets. That is a worry. Um, 
So, um, with regard to Gazidis, um, I, I, you know what? Um, I think that generally he hasn't been great for Arsenal. People might I disagree. Uh, I, I think the reason why I say that is he oversaw the uh, obviously change in the regime. He brought in Miss Attack, which was a good thing. Uh, he put people in place for the uh, for the uh, Wenger's sort of like departure and sort of like that transition. But I have to question him, you know, having done that, to not want to see it through, that to me suggests that whether his heart was really in it at all, I have to question his loyalty there, uh, if he's sort of like just going to jump ship so quickly without seeing the project through. Uh, the other thing is, as I've said repeatedly in the past, I would question the way he's handled our finances. Why are we in this position where uh, our cash reserves are so poor? Uh, I know the modern game players are allowed to run down their contracts and all that, but the, the transfer policy at Arsenal, which he's been involved in for years, leaves a lot to be desired. And we're in a position now where um, we, you know, you look at the sale on value of players uh, that we've got at our club and uh, where we are with 29-year-olds coming into the club. Um, I think that's a concern. You only have to look at the way Liverpool manage their finances. They'd be in a position now to have had huge outlay uh, on players they've had over the last few years. We play to 60,000 stadiums at home every week uh, and, and we managed to find ourselves in a position pre-season where we only had 65 million pounds available to buy players and i think gazidas has to take responsibility for that um what's happened to our money that's the question why are we in such a poor position so gazidas leaving for me is not a, a great loss i i think he's been poor for arsenal generally yes he brought in miss attack yes he put things in place for Wenger's going but he didn't want to see it through the cash position where we're at i'll question him over uh, the Cronkley position has always been a worry for me um and, and whether it's josh Cronkley, whether it's his son it does worry me uh, going forward, you know, because he's got all these franchises in America. His father's still pulling the strings, and I and I do worry about our ownership. We're not quite in the same position as Newcastle with Ashley, are we? But um, you know, our, our owner is not somebody who's sort of like, you know, I have any love for, uh, and I think he's held the club back. And I think Gazidis has jumped ship at the wrong time. He hasn't seen the project through, as I say, and I think he's been generally poor for the club. Harry, I'm going to flip it round here and say. Gazidis going doesn't bother me one bit. Um, I agree totally with Graham. Um, yes, he's done some good, but his good doesn't outweigh the, the, the way he's left or the way he's left or what is the situation he's left us in. But Stan Kroenke, as we all know, has, has bought the club out and he's the sole owner, right? Now, could it be possible that Josh Kroenke comes in and says, all right, Dad, I'm here now. Yes, you're still sole owner of Arsenal, but I'm running it. I'm yep. going to run the show. It might, and I use the words heavily, it might be a good thing. What I think is that, you know, people talk about the way Ivan Gazidis has decided to leave and that he's turned his back on a project. In my view... It's no coincidence that Ivan Gazidis is going to leave just after Stan Kroenke's taken full control or he's about to take full control of the club. Josh Kroenke was always going to get this position. That was always the long-term plan. The minute Kroenke got all the power, that is what he was going to do. He was going to bring his son in. He does similar in the States with the Denver Nuggets. I think they're an NBA team 
where Kroenke owns them and he's put his son in a similar role and he's actually doing an okay job. So like in terms of finances and stuff, I just think like, cause he, this is a chief executive and in my day job, I come across quite a few chief executives who, you know, a chief executive is someone who goes somewhere, has targets, makes an impact for six, seven years and then jumps ship for more money. That's what chief executives do. You know, Gazidis is not a football man. He never was. To expect him to come in and do good football things was never going to happen. It was an unrealistic expectation. He is simply a businessman. Either he doesn't agree with the way Kroenke wants to take things forward and he feels that his time's come to an end and he needs to go elsewhere, or he was pushed. And I think the second is probably more likely. I think that Josh Kroenke has been groomed for this position for quite a long time. He's been spending more time in and amongst the club than he's ever done before in those last few months. So I just think that Gazidis, you know, we can say, oh, he didn't see it through and this and that, but I think he didn't really have a choice in the matter. And to be honest, you know, he's going to go elsewhere. He's probably going to get a bigger salary and it's a new challenge for him. So I just see him as a businessman. I just see him as a, 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 a passing piece of our football club. Never had any attachment to him, so couldn't really care less, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I share your... Uh... I'll show you your wisdoms there. I couldn't give I, I couldn't give a monkey's if he stays or goes. Um, the last word, Judge Ivan Gazidis uh, is leaving Arsenal. Oh, Judge has spoken. Totally gutted, and I like it. Mate. Totally <laughs> gutted. <laughs> great news, great news. Get rid of him. I can't stand the bloke. Never liked him. Smug, arrogant. Thank God he's gone. Showed his true colours. Better offer comes along, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was Adeboyle's agent. Oh, <laughs> tough words there. Anyone for Arsene Wenger as CEO? Could this be the plan? Could this be the book? Could this be the master plan? No, I can't see Arsene Wenger coming back and see it. You know, I can't see it. Chief Executive, I can't see it. Um, it's, it's nailed on. We're all, we know who it's going to be. It's going to be Josh Cronko. It seems funny that I've just got to echo what um, Harry just said. He's obviously bought the club, got the, the percentage of the shares. It was always going to happen. And I think that um, our, our friend, Mr. Gazidis, knew he was a dead man walking. Simple yeah. as that. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, and uh, he's hopefully uh, uh, Italian classes now. Yeah. Good riddance. Good riddance. Good riddance. What more can you say? Fantastic um, news. Get out. There'll be Don't more. Like <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see it, the old Lee Judge's teeth. Get out. Yeah, get out. You know when he's getting mad, when he, when he well, snarls. He's got a cockroach tattooed across his ass. you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, thank you very much, lads. Once again, an absolute pleasure to be in your company and to talk Arsenal with you all. Um, Remember, you can follow Lee at Lee Mark Judges. You can follow Harry at Harry Simiu. Simiu. That's it, Simiu. Spell it for us. S Y M E O U. And you can follow Graham. Graham, where can people follow you? They can follow me on Graham B one nine five. Craig, can I just say to you before we wrap up, you haven't announced the the result of the Ultimate Arsenal Eleven. Vote last week, uh, Brady or Fabregas. Uh, and before you do that, I just want to mention I had uh, a great uh, message from uh, 
uh, on my Twitter last week, a guy came up with the hardest ever Arsenal eleven, right? And it was Lehman in goal, Lauren, Adams captain, Willie Young, uh, me and Lee remember Willie Young, yeah. Kalazanak, Patrick Vieira, Peter Story. Uh, you remember Peter Story, Lee? Yeah, I'll tell you what, before I started, this, this is to do with Tiny Tours. We was going up at Newcastle. Yeah, and this it is Tiny Tours, yeah. That was it. Yeah, we're, well, I'm a part of that, so this is the, we, we actually chose it. It took us an hour to do it. but uh, it, it was a brilliant yeah, 11. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, Peter Story, and then Paul Davis. Do you remember when oh, he knocked Paul out Davis. the uh, Southampton? Yeah, that's why he got in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we should have mentioned Paul Davis last week in the ultimate, as a contender for the Ultimate 11. He's a great midfield yeah. player. Called Steve, Stevie Williams. Remember Stevie Williams? Yeah. Yes. Good, good and, and up front, up front, Lee, your big mate Kevin Campbell and yep. you, Craig. You love Kevin Campbell, don't you? Oh, I do. And, and big, uh, and big John Hartson. I think that hardest John 11 Hartson. was a great 11, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I'd say it was well, with Kevin. Kevin could have been a boxer when he was younger. So, um, that's why he got it there. He's a boxer and, uh, now. Size of him. Well, yeah, he's a big guy. He's a... <laughs> I'm still, he's... I'm still, yeah, I'm still gutted that Lee and Brady didn't get in our ultimate 11. I, was, I, I just can't believe that. But, nah. yeah. Well, I'm for, yeah, look, we left it to, we left it to the people and, uh, unfortunately, Fabregas got more votes, um, than Lee and Brady, but I will put that down to, I would put that down to the generational thing. Yeah. Um, a support, you know. Uh, to be honest with you, the people that did vote for Fabregas were very honest in saying that they've never seen Liam Brady play for Arsenal. Um, uh, so I'll get that. I, I can get that. I, I'll yeah. totally get that. You know, that, that's a, that was another that was another one for Harry, wasn't it? Eh? Yep, that was another one for me because I got absolutely battered in that starting <laughs> eleven thing. Yeah, yeah. None of my choices came through. Yeah, we got that one. Though, we got that bro. one. We got that one. Like, you know. Thanks. I could sleep well at night now. <laughs> <laughs> my thanks to Lee Judges. My thanks to Harry. My thanks to Graham uh, once again. Um, as I said, a pleasure to be in your company. We will see you. Well, we won't see you. You'll hear us again uh, next Monday. We'll be talking uh, about Arsenal again. So if you like listening to us talk about Arsenal, come back. Uh, follow us on Twitter at same old AFC, uh, and you won't miss one. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You know all that normal stuff. Um, until we all see you all again, up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.